Welcome to the Operatic Pastcast, a presentation and preservation of operatic memories and impressions, produced by Donald Collip. Episode 123. On tour in Australia in 1994, Victoria de Los Angeles was recorded speaking and responding to questions from the audience. Her charm, openness, and philosophy are evident throughout both of the two approximately 25-minute episodes. This second part continues with the question-and-answer period. She addresses subjects such as the Olympics, her personal life, talent and work, and Wagner, Bayreuth, and Salzburg. Only the last segment of the second episode deals specifically with her singing. Part 2 of 2 um, about, about the Olympics, yeah, eh? yeah, I think it is, it is, well, we were very moved in Barcelona with the Olympics. We couldn't believe uh, in Barcelona, that it, uh, it they are going to be so well done. Uh, I think the, the city responded wonderfully, and for the city has been uh, a very important for 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 the city and outside. I mean, everybody now know, knows Barcelona, and and really, uh, what I think it is very important. I never believed that the Olympics could be so important. I always felt that the important people in the Olympics are the sports, the, the people that make the, the sportist men. In, the, in Barcelona, um, we, we were more important, I mean, the, the singers, and the, the, the music, the, 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 the sports before. I mean, yeah, I was always praying, why they don't talk more about um, the, the, the sportsmen, the sportsmen. Uh, so I wish, I wish that when in Sydney they talk a lot of, uh, about the sportsmen more than the other things that come with the Olympics. They are wonderful. It is a big, a big fiesta, uh, and it's very important to improve the city. And, and uh, of course, the, the whole world is looking to the, the city. So um, I, I don't know how myself. I don't know nothing about. Uh, how to arrange Olympics and all that, but the, I know that the, the whole city rejoices very much and is, is very exultant uh, when when it's uh, Olympic city. I, I don't know nothing else. I, I, I was there in the finale, and and it was very moving. It was very, so much, so much, so big people, so quantity, and it was such a big silence. Because I sang the, the the song of the birds, the very famous Catalan song, uh, and so uh, it it was an uh, uh, unforgettable moment and very important. When Olympics has finished, Barcelona had come to a, a 
silent, uh, silent city suddenly appeared to be very silent. And it, it was really 15 days magnificent for, for, for Barcelona. And you think you might uh, come to Sydney, um, Laurie? Uh, if, uh, <laughs> well, I wish I'd come. <laughs> Gay Davidson. Gay Davidson, madame. You've really warmed this audience. I think that we would all like to know a little bit more about you in your personal life, if that's not an impertinence. Would you like to talk with us a little about how you spend your time when you're at home in Barcelona, how you spend your time with your uh, uh, children and grandchildren? Yes. I mean, for instance, do you uh, like to cook for them or do you like to be looked after? What sort of theatre and concerts do you go to? How do you spend your yes. life when you're not on the road? Well, suddenly I disappear for, I, I am in a house, in my home, and, and it takes me two, three days to incorporate myself to the life of my home. It, um, it is not that I regret, uh, and I say I prefer to be outside. It is, I come from embracing the whole world, and suddenly I embrace uh, my family and I live with my two sons and uh, their family and my my uh, my first son that came in my life very late in my marriage after 14 years of marriage and uh, I never thought that I'm going to have a child and it was like a miracle and I and today is nearly 30 years old and I look to him and I think is still a miracle. Uh, I appreciate, you see, uh, because came so late in my life when I was 39 years old, I did appreciate so much the coming of a child in my life. Um, before, never came. It was impossible. It was impossible. Doctors said, you are not going to have child. So I knew no child in my life. But I had my career, and I think maybe God made it like that, so I had the time to dedicate my whole life to a career. So when, in 1963, my first child came, it was suddenly, um, it was a shake in my life. It was a very moving experience. I think it, uh, these nine months are the best month in more than the recitals the recitals I arranged to come home to be with my child so uh, and after it came another um, child when I was 44 it was too late so I my son my second son is 25 year old is a syndrome down syndrome but this you see that looks a good uh, people can feel, oh, such a problem. Victoria had someone uh, that is not like others. It is a very special person. And also, this person had teach me how to love, how to understand, how to care for. And I became grateful to have had this little boy, who is my companion all the days I'm there, we go to the cinema, we walk, we, we talk as possible we can. 
I understand all their movements, all, all, everything he does. And so my life is full of ups and downs. But I consider that it's better like that than not to have only beautiful things all the time. So like that, you know life in the true sense with more profound feelings and you appreciate your blessings. I have had much more blessings than anything. And my boy, my little boy and the other one are blessings in, in my life. So when I am at home, I am with them a lot, always, and I am only mother. Uh, I care much more for them, well, of course, because mothers, they, they do always that they, they think that their children need always them. So I do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, uh, much more. And I sometimes, I... I don't agree when they don't care very much about me, when they don't say, when they don't smile, for instance, to me. And uh, I say, why you don't smile to me? And I say, but, but mommy, I cannot smile at each moment. I, I need, you know, but they, they are li like I was before. They are very young. But the little one, he smiles always. I mean, the little one, he smiles always. He enjoys always. He embraces you. He loves you. He says, you are my little star, mommy. You sing very well, mommy. That's it. He, he applauds. He knows my songs. So my life, it is in Barcelona. I am only Victoria. It's nothing to do with Victoria de Los Angeles. And, and, it, and it's so much like that that when they come to my recitals, in, in, in Spain, in Catalonia, when they come, uh, my old son, he discovers me uh, when he's seated, and I see him in front of me crying, and he says after, when I come home, after signing all, after the concert, Mommy, I can't believe it. You are like that, Mommy. And he writes me each time a letter, and he puts me the letter in my bed because he doesn't dare to say uh, his feelings. And they are so beautiful letters that I keep it always. He discovers me because when I am at home, I am only mother. After I am the mother and someone else, and he discovers another world of in the music, with the music. So my my life it is a very normal life i mean very natural life as other i want to be as other people i i and i am in reality as other the other people the only thing i have the privilege of having that makes the possibility of producing the sounds the great composers had written the words through my feelings and this is something uh, you can explain the the joy it gives but i am a normal person i am as any other person i always say that each of us are very important we have each of us a, a great mission and each of each of us are really somebody important in in the whole in the whole world the only thing that we, we are going to a stage and it and 
and we have the mission to put up uh, everybody. And so that's my life in my home. It is very normal. Questions are now open to the audience, and uh, I believe we have one down at the back. Mary. National Catholic Media. Senora de Los Angeles, is it always the great singers who are born with a great talent, or is it possible that someone with a small talent who works hard to develop it can eventually become a beautiful singer? Well, in principle, uh, I think, I think a, a singer is born in principle. Uh, but when somebody has a small talent and a little voice, but has the willpower of wanting to to make something in their life, and in in this person has a great love of music, can 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 be not only someone can make a very big thing in the life is a mission. Can do can be uh, a good singer. I mean, can can there are many singers like that today, and it was before also. People without great voices, uh, without great 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 talent, but you realize that have, they have worked a lot, and and finally the talent has become big, and you recognize and you appreciate the the willpower this person has had so i think that apart of, of many singers that they are born with a great quality and sometimes not very intelligent i mean there are many singers with a wonderful voice they are not mm, very intelligent they don't know very much things about but the voice is so important so beautiful that with only with a sound make make something to the public well for them it is all right also, they are stars uh, in sometimes like that. But I myself, I prefer uh, a small talent, a cultivated person, intelligent person, someone that has mm, a strong feeling about what it is the music, and I prefer that. I enjoy much more because from the soul you receive much more than only from the sound. So I, I, I believe, I believe in the great singer, born singer, also with great quality qualities, but I, I believe that with a small talent and a, a voice, if this person insists in, 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 uh, in um, study and with a love of music can, can do many things. We have a question over here. Michael Coper, I'm a lawyer here in Canberra, but notwithstanding that, a passionate follower of opera yes. uh, and a, a fan of yours for many years. Uh, in fact, I would say that uh, hardly a week goes by that I don't play uh, some of your 1956 recording of La Boheme with Yussi uh, Bjorling. Uh, you, you may say that you're not a diva, but for me you are the greatest diva. Uh, I don't have as many questions as Laurie, but I wonder if I could ask two. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the first is, uh, what would you say has been the greatest highlight of your operatic career? Uh, and the second is, if you happen to have your guitar with you, or, or even if you don't have your guitar with you, would you sing something? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, first, uh, the highlights in my career. 
In principle, all are highlights. When you go out, it's a highlight in your life. Always is important. Uh, always is a highlight. But you have some uh, of them. Uh, for instance, um, a highlight has been uh, to sing Bohem, for instance, in, in the stage. Because it was very near to my feelings, Mimi. Also butterfly. Uh, this has been a highlight. But one highlight very important has been my, my, um, the day I sang in Bayreuth Festival. And to sing in Bayreuth Festival in 1961, uh, it represented ve a, a very important thing in, in, for a Spanish person. It was very important. Nobody could believe the Spanish person goes to Bayreuth where a German, so, so German, Wagner, uh, you are going to be Elizabeth. Um, well, I was in the conservatory in the Liceo. Uh, every, my, my colleagues, my students like me, they were always obsessed about singing in the Scala de Milano. They said, oh, if one day I can sing in the Scala de Milano. I was never very keen of, of that, about the Scala de Milano for me. But, uh, I, I didn't care very much, as I didn't care very much to go uh, to, to do a very um, big career. But, uh, because in Barcelona we had a great association, Wagnerian Association, and with all the works of Wagner translated, I fell in love when I was already 16 years old with Wagner music. So I was very much in, in the place in my mind. Wagner, and in the 40s, after um, when I made my debut in with Not City Figaro in 44, 45, afterwards, after two, three years, I sang Van uh, Heuser, I sang also Meister Singer, and I sang Lohengrin, so before 1949, before I made my international career. But after, when I began to, to do tours, recital tour, in Germany, one day, uh, somebody said to me, in the public is Wilhelm Wagner. Oh my God, I said, Wilhelm Wagner, because I respect that so much. I used to respect very much people, and, and these kind of people, prof professors, uh, teachers, uh, um, Wilhelm Wagner, of course, they were for me someone very high. And so I, I was very moved to have Wilhelm Wagner there. Oh my God. And I thought she's going to come to say to me something. But he didn't appear. He didn't come. And I said, oh, so I, maybe I have done it so badly. I have sung so badly he didn't come. But after that, uh, I went to Hamburg and uh, there was a telegram. And in the telegram uh, was written, I would like very much that you uh, sing My Elizabeth of new production in Bayreuth Festival in Dornhäuser. Oh my God, I tell you, it's the first time I went down to my knees and I say thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, I felt so impressed. I couldn't believe it. It was, uh, it was a great honor and it was to sing in Bayreuth. And in this place, I adore, I mean, I, from many years before. But after that, I, I begin 
of course, I, I begin to prepare well my Van Hoser, and I begin to fear that I go, I'm going to be bioid with uh, all these great Wagnerian singers singing with a loud voice, very strong like that, each day singing many hours. And I was, I have been always very normal way of doing. If I feel today I'm singing, I sing. If I don't feel, I don't sing. So I, I sing octave, octave lower. Uh, I, I used to do that. No? But I knew that in Bayreuth, maybe they are going to say, you sing loud all the time and a very big voice. So I was a little afraid, but I didn't dare to say I don't go. So I wanted to go. And I went. And uh, Willem Wagner uh, said to me, tomorrow I would like to to rehearse with you. So imagine. So I went the day after. And in a big place, not in the theater, but in a big place, like a, like uh, bigger than that place, uh, there was a little piano, a repetitor, and Willem Wagner only. And he said, well, you, you can begin. And I said, what? You can begin to sing, to do. You do your Elizabeth, and I want to do it. And I sang, I sang, oh, and he said, no, no need to sing forte. And I said, oh, my God, I was so happy. No need to sing forte. I like to see what you do, what movements you do, what inflections you do, how are you, and after that, we, com we will combine my intentions your intentions, and we will make a, an Elizabeth from that. And I thought he was so intelligent, because he, yeah, yeah, very intelligent, and for, for me, wonderful. I think, because you see sometimes stage directors, they, they treat you as a puppet, and you must do what they want. They don't realize your feelings. They don't know what is best for you, and it came something very stiff. Um, so I always thought that this was a very intelligent way of, uh, of uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate what Victoria is going to do. So I did the whole part. And after we seated, he said, I will like that. And finally, the Elizabeth that came out was nothing to do with the German Elizabeth. It was a mystic Spanish Elizabeth mixed with German. <laughs> yeah. It was very mystic. It was, it, was, it was like coming from Santa Teresa de Jesus, San Juan de la Cruz, something like that, from the mystics of Spain. Because I, I am a very, inside of me, I am a very mystic person. And, and so it came like that, and it came so very much to the public. And it came in the critics also, at, uh, and it was, for me, you can imagine what it was, the opening night. I never, you know, I never sang Forte, it was Savalis conducting, and it, it is very serious person, and I was very uh, awkward all the time. So we rehearsed with the orchestra and said, no need to sing Forte, you don't need it. I said, oh my God, this is, in, um, it is wonderful. So I, I went to the opening night, and, and it was all gold and blue. I had a throne, and I was seated 
in a blue chiffon dress in a, in a big crown, gold crown. And I was seated there like that. And the, the opening, the opening of the curtain, I will never forget. And after that, you begin um, to sing Destroy the Halle. And it was unforgettable. So this is a highlight, very important. And, and I was the, the, Spanish, the Spanish person that came to Bayreuth. Nobody had came to Bayreuth. A Spanish person. It was all close to German people and some American people. That's true. After Domingo has come now, it's different. But today it is different. I mean, the the Bayreuth of today, it is like Salzburg today. It is nothing to do with they were what they were before. Where they were respected a lot of, of laws, the laws of doing well, that uh, the the con to conduct oneself very well with pride and with uh, with um, great dedication and without thinking about external things. Today is different. Society has changed. They can hear Sole Mio or Sole Mio in Salzburg. Years ago, nobody would permit to sing a Sole Mio, uh, uh, nothing of that in Salzburg. And that in these days, for to make a recital in Salzburg, you, you needed to, to have sang a, a Mozart opera before. It was so restricted. Today is different. I mean, these changes of today uh, is the ones that I don't like it in reality. But uh, it's a highlight, as we were talking about before. A highlight is Byron. But highlights in the life of a person are always, everything is a highlight. Uh, when you are doing the present, you are doing this, this is a highlight. So, today is a highlight also in my life. <laughs> it was very difficult for me. I mean, to come here, you can imagine, I haven't slept because um, I thought it was going to be so difficult. Uh, I, I never make speeches. And so, uh, but, but really, I, I enjoy it very much. Thank you for listening to the Operatic Past Cast. Visit the website at operaticpastcast.com. This is your producer, Donald Cullop.